It's me, it's Allie. <sighs> I really wanted to talk to you in person. I wish you'd just pick up, or at least return my calls. Anyway, there's something, there's something I've got to tell you before I go. You see, Dad, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm moving. Look, I know what you'd say to me. I mean, if you were still talking to me. But I, I have to try. You know, my teacher says, he says I'm really good. He says, he told me I should go for it. I just wish, Dad, are you there? Are you even listening? I just wish you could understand what it's like to try to do this, knowing that I don't have your support. I know that you think I'm an idiot to go, but can't you see, Dad, I'm not like you. I tried to follow in your footsteps, Dad, but you were never around to show me what to do. time together today, I want to talk about an ancient concept called the blessing. Uh, it's a powerful parental tool that comes inherent with the influence that God has given us with our kids. And I wanted you to see that piece of media because I think in a three-minute video, they probably will do a better job than I'll do over the next 35 minutes. Uh, but uh, you thought you knew where that video was going, didn't you? In the first half, you got the feeling and the emotion of what it would be like to grow up without a blessing from your parents. And in the second half, you felt all the emotion of what it's like to have a blessing. I believe this is such, such an important concept for all of us as parents 
I want to, before we dive into the content this morning, I want to uh, pray for us. I want to pray for all of us in the room, first of all, that we would be open to receive what is an ancient concept, but it has such relevant application for us today. And then secondly, I want to pray for those in the room who maybe feel that you grew up without a blessing. And uh, if that's who you are, no one needs to tell you, you know. And my prayer for you will be that you will not have all the negative messages of your past so drowned out the truth that you have a heavenly father who has a blessing for you every day of your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray that as we, uh, as we gather around kind of an ancient text, an ancient story, that God, our hearts would be open to receive a relevant truth for today. And Father, I pray for those who already are hearing the voices from their past and the voices that made it clear that they were not blessed, that they did not have a blessing from their parents. And Father, I pray that uh, you would overcome all of those voices with the voice of our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us and who gave us the very best blessing in the person of his son who died on the cross and was raised again for us. And Father, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as Kevin so kindly said in his introduction, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor of Bay Life Church, one of the regional partner churches with RCC. And we are so excited these days at Bay Life about all that God is doing. And he's gathering so many people from the eastern shore over near Mobile. And uh, people are coming to faith in Christ and they're being changed. And none of that would be possible without the generosity of this church. And I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who are part of helping to build a network of strategic partner churches all across the Southeast who are going to proclaim the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that it can change the lives of people. Could you help me just say thank you back to RCC? Thank you guys so much, so much for all you've done. Well, I was so excited and honored when Paul called me uh, and asked me to speak today. Uh, that was until I found out, I think I was his fourth call. I don't know, maybe five. But uh, Paul and I have been friends since we were 10 years old. Our fathers were great friends. And uh, I grew up here in East Jackson County. And uh, Paul and I, uh, kind of growing up, fell in love with uh, the church and decided to give our lives away to the church. Paul stayed. I traveled the world, but God has graciously brought me back home in these days, and I'm getting to help plant a church um, out on the eastern shore uh, in Fairhope, Alabama. We are excited about what's going on. Well, hey, uh, let's dive into what God has for us today. Uh, summer months are kind of milestone months for most families. So let me see the hands of all those of you who have had to attend to graduation uh, in May. All righty, leave them up. How many of you have gone to a family reunion already or will this summer? Okay, leave them up. How many of you have had to go to a wedding? Okay, you can put them down. You know what? I think I've done all of those things uh, already this summer. And those moments, those milestone moments are really critical uh, when it comes to family development because those are times when we get to release what we call the blessing. 
And uh, I've had the privilege as a pastor to do a couple hundred weddings. I've done, uh, I don't know, it seems like a thousand graduation parties. But uh, when I have conversations, I'm talking about real conversations with uh, parents and grandparents that are gathered there, in addition to the pride and the joy that, that just overwhelms them in that moment, there is a single question in all of their hearts. And it's this question, are they ready? Are they ready? Are they ready for what's next? Are they ready for college? Are they ready for marriage? Are they ready to start raising kids? Are they ready? You know, those are some of the most foundational questions that any parent or any grandparent could ever ask. And those, those questions really lead us to a place where we are hungry for something that could give us those answers, that we could get to those milestone moments as a parent or grandparent and feel like, hey, I, I think they are ready. I think we've given them what they need. Wouldn't that be absolutely awesome? And I think it's the blessing. I think it's this ancient concept that, uh, that we need to revive again today in our families. Uh, so what is the blessing? Well, I want to give us a working definition. It's this. Uh, a blessing is the intentional transfer of parental affirmation and prayer for God's favor on the next generation. The intentional transfer of parental affirmation and a prayer for God's favor on the next generation. Well, in order to kind of reclaim this concept from ancient literature, we're going to go back to the story of the patriarchs. The patriarchs were four guys in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. They were all in the same family, but represented different generations. And the blessing was something that was declared in the transition points between generations. When Abraham was dying, he blessed Isaac. And when Isaac was dying, he blessed his sons. And when Jacob was dying, he blessed his 12 sons. And, and, and the same with Joseph. But this really leads us to kind of the first transferable truth. This is the, the take home for today. Here's the transferable truth for today. It's that the blessing may be declared in a moment, but is transferred over a lifetime, right? Diane and I, uh, my wife, uh, we have seven kids. It's, uh, it's a freakishly large family. Um, and uh, now five of them are married. We have 10 grandchildren in county. I don't know how that happened, and I'm still 45 years old, but it was a miracle, I think. Um, but uh, anyway, so we have this massive tribe now, and Diane and I, unless we get wiped out in a car accident, and God forbid, but I suppose that could happen, but if that doesn't happen, our plan is that toward the end of our run, we will have some goodbye moments. We will have some moments where we gather our seven kids and our 10 plus grandkids and, and where we declare blessing over them. But if we wait until that day to declare a blessing, we've missed the point of the blessing because a blessing is declared in a moment, but it's delivered over a lifetime. So what I'd like to do in the, in the time that remains today is I want to kind of with broad strokes give you what the, uh, kind of what the content of a blessing looks like and then what it looks like when it's present and when it's absent. Now, a blessing would only be present in the next generation for one reason, because the parents or grandparents intentionally placed it there. But it could be absent in the next generation for a couple of reasons. Either it was never offered, 
which would, that would be on the parents or the grandparents, or it was offered and never received. And that's really sad, but often happens. So uh, let's dive in here. And uh, of all the stories that kind of reflect this concept of the blessing, we could talk about when Abraham blessed Isaac or when Jacob blessed his 12 sons or when Joseph blessed his two sons, but none of those stories is clear or more thorough when it comes to talking about the blessing than Isaac's blessing of his two twin boys, Jacob and Esau. So Uh, We're going to be in Genesis 27. Uh, That chapter is kind of massive, and so there's no way that we could cover the whole thing. So I'm going to kind of tell you the story, and then I'm going to read a short portion of the story from Genesis 27. Uh, So here's the context. Isaac, the father, is old, very old, and he's stricken with infirmities. He's blind. In fact, he's so blind, he wouldn't recognize the person standing in front of him. He and his wife, his wife is Rebecca, they've had a sin in their family from go, from the beginning. It's the sin of favoritism. Esau was the oldest of the boys, born just a few moments ahead of his twin brother. He was Isaac's favorite. Esau, man's man, right? Hunter-gatherer. Said he had a ruddy complexion. He was an outdoorsman. Um, If he lived in Jackson County, he'd be in the F-150 with the dog box in the back and the gun rack in the window, right? That's who Esau is. Camo hat, shirt, and pants. And that's what he wears to church, right? So this is Esau. It's kind of understanding as dads that we, that would normally be your favorite, right? And uh, I mean, this guy is such a man's man. It says he had hair on the back of his hands. I mean, you got to be a man to have hair on the back of your hands, right? Isaac's favorite, right? Jacob, very smart dude, very articulate business acumen. It says that he would, over the course of his life, he would take the wealth and power he got from his father and his grandfather, and he would more than triple it. At the end of his life, it says he would be exceedingly wealthy. Jacob was his mom's favorite, Rebecca's favorite. And because Isaac and Rebecca never resolved this sinful conflict between them, They lied to each other about favoritism. They hid from one another what they were doing to show favoritism. And because of that, it broke the integrity of their home. It literally shattered it. One more piece of contextual information before I read to you from the text. Um, The blessing was two parts. There were two components. The first was the birthright. The birthright is kind of the uh, legal last will and testament. The birthright would have brought three gifts, a financial stake in the family. The oldest son would have gotten the birthright. He would have gotten 66% of the inheritance, no doubt making him a favorite among all of his siblings, right? He gets 66%. Everybody else shares the rest, okay? The second thing is he would be the organizational leader for the family or the tribe for all of his generation. And then there was a spiritual component. He would be the de facto priest of the family. Three components, three gifts wrapped up in the birthright. What happened to Esau's birthright? 
Well, if you know the story, it's a tragic one. Esau has been out on a hunt, a multi-day hunt. He comes back. He is famished. He's ravenously hungry. He smells what's coming from the cooking tent, and he walks in, and there's his brother Jacob over a pot of stew, and he says, I must have it. Well, Jacob may have been a little smarter than Esau, certainly more conniving. And he sees a moment where he can leverage this moment for power and money. And he says, okay, I'll trade you the pot of stew for your birthright. And I don't know if he saw, didn't take him seriously, or if he thought, I don't really need this family. I'm a man's man. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. He's already an independently wealthy individual, and I'll just make it on my own. I need that stew. And so he trades his birthright for the stew. Later, as he reflected back on that, he said, my brother tricked me out of my birthright. Well, there's still the blessing. Esau could still get the blessing, right? The blessing was kind of the spiritual component. It was the personal component. It was also the day of transfer. When the blessing was declared, you got everything that was in the birthright and the blessing. This was the greatest day of your life if you're the oldest son. Well, Isaac calls his son Esau in and says, today's the day. This is the greatest day of your life. You are going to be blessed today. I'm going to declare the blessing. So this is what I want you to do. Go out into the field, take your bow, uh, take down a deer, bring it here, fix the venison the way I like it, and we'll drink and we'll eat and I will bless you. Awesome. Esau goes about doing what his father told him to do. Well, through the tent wall, Rebecca hears, and now it's time to play the game of favorites. And she runs and gets Jacob and says, this is the day your father's gonna bless your brother. We've gotta get in there and steal it. And she said, I'm gonna dress you in a robe from your brother's closet so you're gonna smell like him. And we're gonna take some wool from the sheep and put it on the back of your hand so when your father feels the back of your hands, he'll know it's Esau. And I'm gonna take some lamb meat and some mutton and I'm gonna fix it up like his favorite venison dish. And it's gonna be absolutely amazing. And you're gonna go in and you're gonna lie and cheat and steal and rob the blessing from your brother. What an amazing family, right? And they do exactly that. Jacob walks in and he greets his father and the voice doesn't match. Didn't think about that. And Isaac is used to being lied to in his family. And so he's like, come near, come close to me so I can smell you. And he brings him in and he smells him. You smell like Esau. And, And he felt the back of his hand. He said, you feel like Esau, and then he just asked him, are you my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. And a deception became a lie, which became an epic robbery. Wow. Now that's a, that's a monumental and tragic moment in the life of a family. But there are some things that are about to happen that we can learn from, that are transferable, that would be helpful. Let's watch God redeem this moment for your family and for my family. Okay? Um, I want to read to you the blessing prayer 
because that's how the blessing would come. It would be a prayer. And uh, Isaac is going to pray. He's going to pray for God's favor on who he thinks is Esau. It's actually Jacob. And he's going to pray for four things. He's going to pray for prosperity and power and prominence and protection. Right? Let's, let's go to the text and follow along as I read through. Genesis 27 says, May God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. So this is the prosperity piece. I, I, they, they measured prosperity by your ability to feed your family. It was an agrarian society. And so it was all of it. He said, I want you to have all the prosperity that's possible. And then he says, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. This is the power piece right? Isaac knew what it was like to be pushed off of his land. One of the things Isaac was good at was digging wells because he had to move so much because as his wealth grew, as his flocks and herds grew, uh, they began to push out and consume all the pasture land and the nation states around them came after him and says, you've grown too wealthy and too powerful. us. Uh, you have to move away from us. And Isaac is here praying and includes in his blessing prayer, I want the next generation to be at rest and I want them to have so much power that the other people have to move. It goes on in the next verse. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. This is the prominence piece. You're going to be head of the family. Uh, he had officially made his brother and all the servants in the house now would be Jacob's servants. And now the protection piece. Cursed be everyone who curses you and be blessed by everyone who blesses you. This is a piece of the Abrahamic covenant that was first given in Genesis 12 to Abraham and, and then was transferred to Isaac when Abraham passed. And now Isaac is about to pass and he's passing it on to his son, so out of all of this, what is usable for you? What's transferable? So I want to kind of step in and, and show you what the components are of when we transfer a blessing and, and what our children and our grandchildren would have if we truly bless them. What are the transferable pieces? First of all, let's be reminded of our definition so we can sync up with what we believe a blessing is. It's the intentional transfer of parental affirmation and prayer for God's favor on the next generation. So this is what we're trying to accomplish. So what are the handles? What are the components? Well, there are five of them. We're going to step through them real quickly. The co first component is prayerful. A blessing must be prayerful. Jacob prayed the blessing, right? And that prayer began with, may God give to you. And when I say it's prayerful, we're not speaking for God. We're not standing in God's place. We're pleading with God that he would pour out his favor on the next generation. And we're attaching to that our affirmation of our children and our grandchildren, okay? At the end of Jacob's life, as he's about to bless his 12 children, he gives this great and poetic line. It says, may the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day bless my sons now. Let me ask you a question. It may seem a bit odd, but it shouldn't be. Do you pray a blessing over your kids? I mean, you ought to. I mean, when they're small, you tuck them into bed at night. You ought to pray a blessing of protection over them as they sleep. And at the, at the mealtime, you play, uh, pray for uh, God's provision 
for them for all of their life. And when they graduate high school, you're going to pray a blessing over them as they head off to college. And, and when they get married, you're going to pray a prayer of blessing. I have five daughters in my seven kids, so pray for me. But I... Uh, uh, the, one of the most precious moments I had with any of my daughters is that moment right before I would walk them down the aisle and I would take them by the shoulders and our foreheads would touch and I would pray a final prayer of blessing for them as they become the wife of some undeserving person, <laughs> right? May God bless them. And when I hold each of those grandbabies after they're born, we immediately pray a prayer of blessing. A blessing is prayerful. You ought to pray blessing over your children. Number two, a blessing is personalized. You can't bless your kids specifically if you don't know them individually. You have got to know your kids. That means you got to be in their stuff every now and then. I meet parents who think their kids do only good. You don't know your children, right? Talk to their coach, talk to their teacher. I was, I was Kevin Yoder's principal. I can tell you stories. You think Kevin is perfect. Let, just come see me afterwards, right? Um, it, you got to know your kids. It's got to be personalized, right? When Jacob, at the end of his life, blessed his 12 sons, he knew them, the good and the bad. He called out the bad and the good. When he blessed Judah, Judah was like the third in the line, but he was the one that Jacob gave the birthright to because the, the first sons disqualified themselves. He called him a lion's cub. He was the alpha male in the tribe. And a lion is the king of the jungle, and from Judah would come every king that would rule in Israel, including David and including Jesus Christ would come from the tribe of Judah. And then there was Benjamin, the last of the sons, right? He called him a ravenous wolf. You know what a wolf is? It's a hunter, a great fighter. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin were great fighters. They were military men. Two things you knew about, about the tribe of Benjamin, they were all left-handed and they all used the same weapon, a sling, an unusual weapon in, uh, for the military, but it meant they could strike their enemies from afar. Benjamin was a great fighter, but a wolf is also has an unreliable temperament. And Jacob said that Benjamin had an unreliable spirit. Well, you have to know your kids. If you're going to bless them correctly and personally, you have to know them. Uh, number three, and we don't often think of this because we're talking in spiritual terms, but financial. Of all the graduation parties, of all the weddings that I've ever done over the years, in talking with parents and grandparents, I've never met a parent who wished that their kids would be less well off than they are, Right? There is a financial component, but in a spiritual sense, we're not concerned about how much they have, but how well they've stewarded it, right? So that's part of the blessing as well, that they be trained to steward well the financial resources that God gives them so they have something to give to God's kingdom and to give to those that are in need, right? What's the next component? It's binding. This is not something to play with, right? 
when Jacob gave, or when Isaac gave the blessing to Jacob, thinking he was giving it to Esau, we're going to see in a moment, he had nothing left to give. It was given. It was binding. Don't mishandle the moment where you declare the blessing. Use exact words. Write it down and read it if you have to. Because what you say will be bound in the heart and the mind of your children and your grandchildren. Make those words count. And then finally, it's prophetic. Now, maybe you come from uh, a faith background where I don't have to explain what that is. But uh, for the rest of us, let me just say it very simply this way. This is the part of the blessing that is forward-looking, where we, we look at our children and our grandchildren and we say, I see in you. This is what I see in you that God has placed there that I want God to pour his favor out on and to develop in you because this is what I see that you could be. That is what is present when a blessing is transferred. Now, we have to ask the question that some of us are asking, which is what happens if the blessing is not transferred, right? What happens then? It's catastrophic. You don't want to mishandle this moment with your kids. Now, important to note that in historically and culturally here with the family of Isaac, Isaac had one blessing to give. He had two sons. He had one blessing to give. In New Testament times, we can give as many blessings as we have children. <laughs> so we're not limited in the way that he was limited, but it is still possible, even though we could give as many blessings as we have children, that sometimes we withhold the blessing. What does it look like in the lives of our kids when the blessing is withheld? So back to the same story, right? Jacob has stolen the blessing. He walks out. Guess who walks in? Esau. I'm here, Dad. This is the day. This is the big day. I took down a buck. I've prepared the meal the way you like it. I've got the wine and the meal. Let's eat, and then you can bless me. You know what the first words were that he heard back from his father? Who are you? And it says that Isaac trembled violently. What have I done? Who has lied to me? Who has stolen what I so wanted to give to my son Esau? Who are you? Well, I'm your son Esau. I'm here for my blessing. Oh, son, I have given it to your brother. And it says that Esau cried with a cry that was violent and bitter. You know what that would sound like. The whole camp would have heard it. It was a cry in anger. I want to go back to the text because I want to show you what Esau felt about what his brother had done. He, he actually begins these comments by saying, you gave him the right name, right? It says, is he not rightly named Jacob? You know what Jacob means? Deceiver, tripper. He was named that because he was holding on to Esau's heel when they came out of the womb. Deceiver, you, you gave him the right name, dad. For he has betrayed me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Wow. 
And then he turns back to his father and he begins to beg. It's humiliating. He's begging for the blessing. See, your children want this from you, even if they never ask for it. They want it all of their life. Notice how he says it. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master. I've already given it and I've made you a servant to him. And I have given to him all his relatives as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. He's sharing the blessing that he poured out on his son. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Just one. Bless me, me as well, my father. So Esau raised his voice and wept. His first cry was in anger. The second one was brokenness. And I think that was the emotional posture of Esau for the rest of his life. So what emerges in the life of the one who has been robbed of the blessing? Three things came up in Esau's life. The first was this, emotional abandonment. He felt forsaken. He felt left behind. On what should have been the greatest day of his life, he got a big fat, who are you from his father? Are there any kids in your family that feel that all they got from you was a who are you? Emotional abandonment. Number two, bitterness. Oh, this was real. I want you to see it. It's just oozing out of Esau's pores. Let's go back to the text now. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing, blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. You want to rip apart your entire family? Mishandle the blessing moment, Right? It says in verse 38, so Esau raised his voice and wept bitterly. Number three, they're vulnerable to counterfeit blessings. You know, someone who's robbed of the blessing, someone who knows even before it's not declared over them that they are not going to get it. That person lives all of their life in such a way as to demonstrate that they don't need your blessing. Esau did that. If your kid really wanted to mess with you, if your child really wanted to get you back in the worst way possible, they would marry the wrong person and insert that person into your family to destroy your family. Esau did it not once, not twice, three times. Check this out. When Esau was 40, so this is even before he was robbed of his blessing, but he knew it wasn't coming. He knew that he was never going to get a blessing from his mother. Esau was 40 years old. He took Judith, the daughter of Barry, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. These would have been idolatrous tribes. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. 
the text goes on and uh, Rebecca declares to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. And she said, if Jacob marries one of them, what good will my life be? Let us send him back to Patamaram. That's where Rebecca was from. I want him to marry a woman that would be like me and be a blessing to our family. And so they sent him away. And when Esau found out that they had not only blessed Jacob, but taken special concern to send him away so that he might get the right kind of wife, Esau married a third time. You know who he married? The wife that he selected was the daughter of Ishmael. You know who Ishmael was? He was the, the illegitimate child of Abraham and Hagar, who would have taken the birthright and the blessing from Isaac if Isaac had not been born and Ishmael was run off, he and his mother, in an unloving way into the wilderness. And he became the arch enemy of Isaac and the tribe of Abraham. And Esau says, you don't want to bless me? Watch this. I am going to marry the daughter of your arch enemy. Wow. How tragic is all of that? I uh, grew up with a blessing, an amazing blessing. I wouldn't know what it's like to not have a blessing. My parents are still living. They're uh, 82 years old. And uh, I stayed with them last night. They live here in the area. And uh, I can't leave their house without hugs and kisses and them telling me that they love me and that they're proud of me. They have supported me every step of my life's journey. Neither one of them received a blessing as a child. My father especially. My grandfather, my dad's father was man's man. He was a farmer, and uh, he was a great provider for the family, a terrible protector of the family. He was an angry drunk, and he took it out on his wife and his kids all the time. When my father had just graduated from high school, he's at work out in the barn doing all of the chores, and he finds out that his Father has just beaten his younger brother to within an inch of his life. And his dad walks out to the barn and says, and you're next. My dad had a pitchfork in his hand and so he could get out of the barn. And he ran into the house and he grabbed his rifle and he headed back to the barn to kill his father. He said, he will never beat us again. And my grandmother, probably sparing both of their lives, wrestled the gun away from him and said, you can't live here anymore. You have to leave. And he left. He joined the military. He'd eventually be sent to Korea. But before he left the country, he was stationed in North Carolina. And there he went with a buddy to a Bible study at a dentist office of all places. And there he heard the gospel and he found salvation in Jesus Christ. And he met his heavenly father who forever changed him. 
my father stayed present in his father's life, waiting for the blessing, always seeking to be a blessing to his father. And that blessing was never forthcoming. There was a break in the relationship that was not my dad's doing, but my grandfather just didn't want to have anything to do with his oldest son anymore. I remember being there in the room. I was mid-teenage years, and we were in Wisconsin where my, my folks were from, and my dad called my grandfather and said, hey, we're in town, and the kids are here, and they'd love to see you, and, and they made arrangements, and we were going to go over there. And when we got there, my grandfather had left. Never saw him. He died several years later. My father went and preached the funeral for his father. And after the funeral, they opened the will, and my father, the oldest son of seven, was the only one not represented in the will. And I can tell you from that day to this day, I've never heard my father say a bad word about his father. And I don't know how difficult it would have been to flip that script, to go from being robbed of a blessing to being one who could give the blessing in such an amazing way to all of his children. But because of the grace of God in my father's life, he flipped the script. And none of his children have grown up without a blessing. I want to speak to those of you that may have grown up without a blessing. That doesn't mean that you can't give one. If you're not dead, you're not done. I don't care how old your kids are, your grandkids. You can begin today by transferring a blessing to the next generation. And know this, even if you never got a blessing, your heavenly father blessed you in the most amazing way through his son who died on the cross and was raised again for our salvation. There is no greater blessing than that. I love you. And I know that you love your kids and your grandkids, and, and I'm begging you to be a blessing to them. Would you pray with me? Father, it is at moments like this when we really see who we are and what's missing inside of us. And maybe that's not our fault, and maybe it was because we were robbed of a blessing, but God, we know that we have a heavenly father who loves us and cares about us and who has blessed us in such an amazing way. And Father, I pray that for all of us that we would give a blessing, an intentional transfer of parental affirmation and praying that God would pour out his favor on the next generation. Father, something that would be declared in a moment but delivered over a lifetime. Father, we pray this for all of the RCC families. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. RCC family, love you so much. Thank you for all that you do for Bay Life Church. Be sure to be back next week. We'll see you then.